Happy Monday, members. It is the 10th of October. Welcome to the morning meeting. Marcus, give us a weekend rundown and the local markets. Well, the weekend rundown, Chi-Chi, was a bit disastrous, it's got to be said, after that 5.7% bounce in the US markets last week on in two days, particularly helped by the RBA going soft. The jobs number on Friday was... It wasn't that bad, but the market reaction was pretty bad. So the jobs number saw a drop in the unemployment rate from 3.7% to 3.5%. And that got everybody thinking the economy is banging along too fast, in which case interest rates are going to have to stay higher. The recession risk has gone a little bit, but rates are going to have to stay up. So everything pivoted back to aggressive on Friday. And we saw Wall Street down 630 points, which is 2.1%. At one point, it was down nearly 800 points. And the Nasdaq was down 3.8%. Mind you, a a lot of that was because AMD, which is a chip maker, and not uh, French fries, the other sort of chips. (laughs) (laughs) The AMD had a revenue warning. Apparently, the chip market is just terrible at the moment um, because they they can't make them and sell them. Anyway, that share price dropped 13.8%, took all the semiconductor stocks down. And so tech stock, Nasdaq down 3.8%, big move. S&P 500 down 2.8%. But more worryingly is all those trends that were just beginning to turn the right way, turned the wrong way again. So the US dollar started to rise again. The US dollar index was up 0.48%. And bond yields, which had sort of looked like they were coming off the top, started to go up again. I think the 10-year bond yield was up something like six basis points. Not a lot, but a bit higher. And it just reversed this soft pivot hope that we had last week. And on the back of that, the chances of a 75 basis point rate rise at the next meeting on November the 2nd, which was already high, it's now at 81%, which is up from 56% a week ago. But more interestingly, the chances of another 75 basis point rate rise at the December 14 meeting went from 7% to 23%. So suddenly they're talking about two 75 basis point rate rises on the trot. So the jobs number has got the bond market thinking the Fed are just going to stay aggressive from here to Christmas. Uh, And uh, I'm sure the markets will take some heart the moment they start looking at a 50 basis point rise instead of a 75 basis point rise, but we might have to wait till the next meeting, which is in February. So not a good Friday for our market. And our market this morning is down 80 odd points. Is that right, Henry? Yeah. 83 points at the moment. It is rallying, though. We are we were down 105 at one stage, so a little bit of a rally. BHP and Fortescue are doing better. And we've got a CPI number this week, of course, out of the US, which I think is Thursday morning our time. Unfortunately, if you look at the forecasts, they are expecting core inflation to pick up again. Well, I suppose that's actually quite a good if they're expecting a higher inflation number, a lower inflation number is more likely, or lower than expected is more likely. Anyway, we are now uh, waiting on that CPI number. And we've also, so that's Thursday morning, that's going to be pivotal for this week. There are a few other things on this week. We have the Bank of Queensland kicking off the bank sector results season on Wednesday. And I'll write up a little timetable of when the major banks are coming up with results. Obviously, the majors, except for CBA, 
have got results and dividends coming up. And this is usually a good time, about a month before results, to buy banks. And certainly, if we saw any signs of the Fed going soft, the banks would rally. They might still be worth buying anyway for the dividends because they don't seem to be in the firing line for the current market trend or the market downtrend. Anyway, Bank of Queensland kicks off bank sector results season. We've also got the AGM season starting. We've got Telstra tomorrow. We've got CBA on Wednesday, CSL on Wednesday as well. And we have the RBA meeting coming up on November the 1st, which is Melbourne Cup Day, FOMC November the 2nd. And what else we got? We got US retail sales numbers on Friday. No one's really interested in those. And we have a bit of Fed speak as usual. I think tonight, Evans and Brainard both speak. The ex-dividends, we've got the table in the pre-market. There's not a lot going on there. I think Reese is the only one ex-dividend tomorrow. There might be an error on our table. Yeah, I've got Challenger Hybrid Securities with a 210% yield today. I might have to go and revisit some glitches in our dividends table. Anyway, that's about that on the overnight stuff. I'll get back to strategy and ideas in a minute. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. I hope that chip crisis alleviates itself. Henry, let's hear your take. And I do believe you've got an update on your battery pack. Thanks, Chichi. I have got an update on my battery pack, one of which is I can't do my maths because I put some numbers into uh, Yahoo Finance as Morningstar has now become defunct on their portfolio tool. And I had too many INR in there, so it made it look much better than it actually is. It's still pretty good. It was up to around $140,000 from 60 grand invested in January 2021. And I was um, I was at Ausbiz on Friday night for the last call where we have drinkies, etc. And talking to one very smart ex-fund manager who now consults to fund managers. And he was very much on the whole energy bandwagon. And also talking to Gemma Dale, who many of you will know from NabTrade. And I've done a podcast with Gemma. She's a lovely lady. And she gets to see all the flows. Now, obviously, um, NabTrade is one of the bigger players in the online space. And what do you think, Marcus, is the biggest stock now traded on NabTrade? Used to be Fortescue. I would say it's got to be Pilbara Minerals or Whitehaven Coal. It is Pilbara Minerals. Good work. Yeah, it is Pilbara Minerals taken over from Fortescue, which used to be the most traded stock on NAB trade. Interestingly as well, there some other observations from Gemma. And if you watch the last call on Friday or in sort of uh, Rewind TV, streaming TV, uh, you will have heard her say this, but they've got massive, massive cash built up on their platform at the moment. I think it's the fourth highest amount of cash she was saying on Friday, built up. And also, interestingly, she was saying that uh, basically all the young players, all, the, the, all the, the newbies that have come into the market in the last couple of years have basically stopped dealing and that it's very much the old guard that is just uh, nibbling away and accumulating. Whereas the new players, the new investors, uh, the millennials, I guess, the only thing they've really been investing in in any kind of size is ETFs. So an interesting observation from Gemma. And she's always great. So have a listen to that on the call. In my stuff today, following on from uh, the energy theme that was suggested by this guy, Chris Robertson, on Friday, he had one that he's been following and he likes. So I've written that one up today, and that is BRK is the stock code there, and that's Brookside Energy. I'm also talking to 
I guess, an old industry veteran later today with luck about a new, it's only a $9 million market cap. So I was looking around for my high conviction stock for FinFest. Have you got one yet, Marcus? Because I was struggling a little bit in this market. I think I'm going to lecture all these younger people about how everyone's trying to get us, for instance, to put out SMSs of Marcus today is buying this, Marcus today is selling that. These platforms like Self Wealth or Stake or whatever they are, all want us to be short-term, short-term. You know, that's not how it's done. So I'm going to have a, a lecture about how they are all dragged into trading when really it is about the long term and the great advantage younger people have got over us, which is they've got a long time and how they will make their most money in their careers or building their business, not trading shares. So the best thing to do is tuck it away, in which case they should do what clearly equity mates advises, which is stick it in ETFs and try not to play too much. So my stock will be a longer term uh, quality stock stock that will match that sort of horizon, which is, I'm afraid, boringly going to be Macquarie. And I'll have a few numbers about Macquarie, about the number of employees and you know how it's a company with 14,000 people who got through the filter process to get there, which I didn't. 14,000 of the best brains in Australia with one goal in mind, which is make money. So that will, I'm afraid, be my conviction stock. I'm not going to buy into some crappy short-term fad thing, which won't serve them because they'll buy it now and look at it in 10 years time and find it's zero to 0.1 of a cent because they need long-term stuff. Is it almost like they'll buy it now and pay for it later? (laughs) (laughs) Pay for it in a bad way, you mean? Are you becoming a comedian? I'm trying to. Um, My (laughs) conviction stock is very much not in that vein, I have to say, but I did go slightly more conservative than I was going to because I was going to pick a $9 million Hail Mary oil and gas company emerging, but $9 million was a little bit too small, but I will write the $9 million one up. But my one is Core Lithium, and this is a stock that I held PA for a long, long time. Sold out my last parcel of them around $1.50 odd or whatever. They're back to $114.14. I just like the whole, I mean, I still like the whole lithium story, as everybody will know. But also, more importantly, is the, is the timeline involved. And we've seen how those companies that can produce with the high prices at the moment really can make a mozza and Pilbara Minerals is one of those stocks that has just gone ballistic. I look back at when I put them in the battery pack, which I'm now calling the AA battery pack. It was at, I think it was a dollar four, something like that. So, and now they're $5.36. So that is a pretty impressive gain for that company. And I've got to say, when I bought them in a dollar four, I was kind of late to the party as well. So, you know, I was worried that when I put them in, that I was getting in way too late. So there you go, five times or your money in uh, the space of 18, 18 months. I'm not doing too badly. And they have been able to benefit from those high prices. So Core Lithium was my one. I also wrote today, because I've had the battery pack and um, really don't intend to touch that to some extent, um, I'm creating, I'm going to call that one the AA battery pack, and I'm creating a smaller battery pack, the AAA battery pack. And they're in the newsletter today. There are six stocks there, Marcus, that I've put in for members' delectation, including Core Lithium, of course. And I've got to say, if they get back to under a dollar, I'm going to buy them again, because I quite fancy that one for a $2 price target in the next six months. The interesting one, the really interesting one out of that bunch is a stock 
called QXR, QX Resources, which funnily enough is up 12% today. But this is a relative minnow as well. This is a new one on the radar. It's only a, well, it's probably an $80 million market cap at the moment. But the reason it's interesting is that the man behind Lake, LKE, Lake Resources, Steve Promnitz, is now on board this one. And the market spiked big time when he came on board. Now, members will remember that Lake Resources took a massive tumble back in June. I'm sure we all remember that. I, you know, I think, Marcus, you probably wrote about it back then as well. And the, the virtues of Lake Resources over the years, which hasn't been the best investment. But when Steve took over Lake, it was a $9 million company, and it's now a $1.4 billion company. Now, that's in six years. But QX Resources, obviously, the punters think he's going to weave his magic. And he's not, a, not an old bloke, so he's still got plenty of gas in the tank, I would say. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys raise some money because that's what they do, isn't it? Uh, but he's uh, he's not being paid very much either. He's only being paid 200 grand, uh, which is nothing in the big scheme of things these days, but he has got a bunch of options, so potential there. But yeah, all, all good fun, Marcus. Plenty, plenty to talk about today. Yeah, it's like that tech guy, Bevan. Guys like that, and they're not interested in the salary. You know, how much money is, or how wealthy is this guy? It's not about salary, is it? So Steve Promnitz is in it for the equity valuation. And the only way to do that is to get the share price up. So and make sure he's optioned up. So that's uh, the right sort of structure is small salary, um, lots of skin in the game. Uh, you also had a good, really good, we got really great feedback on your On the Couch podcast with Louise yeah. Bedford. There are a couple of links to that in the newsletter today. So I'd, I'd have a listen to that, everyone. Otherwise, the technical section Stuart's done today, that's quite good. He's done his altitude trading system scan, and he's added as well something called a volume strength indicator, which looks at the volume in the last month or so compared to the volume over the last two or three months and the average volume. And if the volume strength indicator is 100, it means the volume is the same as it was previously. It's just trolling along as normal. So what you want to see is stocks that are trading more volume in an uptrend because volume confirms the trend. So uh, he looks at on his altitude trading system, uh, uh, basically stocks that are trending up solidly, well above their 150 day uh, moving average, trending up. And then you can add in, have they got high volume? So Levisa, for instance, trending up and its volume uh, strength indicator is 226, which means it's doing over twice as much volume as usual whilst it's going up. So that's an interesting little addition to the technical indicator. Uh, the other interesting thing he says today, important educational note, experience and backtesting tells me to buy stocks trading near highs going higher rather than lows turning a corner because I'm a very bad, at not bad, but very good at spotting RSI stocks that are bottoming and turning around. But he is saying that's not as good as spotting stocks that are going higher and going higher. <laughs> so I'm picking stocks on lows turning a corner. But he says, bottoming stocks starting to move higher offer lower odds than stocks trending higher and going higher. So there you go. Anyway, he's picked out some of those uh, stocks on his altitude trading system. We've got charts in the technical section today. And these energy stocks, these same stocks keep turning up at the moment. Whitehaven Coal, Pilbara Minerals, New Hope Corporation, and IGO. Of course, coal lithium is the game at the moment. And that's the technical analysis turning up with the same thing. Also on the strategy front today. 
I feel a bit silly on Mondays redoing the strategy section because, of course, I've written it at the weekend already. So nothing changes from there. And the message is that we have gone all in, if you call it that, in the strategy portfolio and communicated some thematic ideas through the ETFs we've bought. Like if things do go soft, then the real estate investment trusts are probably going to go up and technology is probably going to go up. So we bought the uh, Alltech ETF and the ETF. So the the strategy portfolio is passing ideas, but obviously uh, we have played the go soft card a bit too quickly in hindsight with those jobs numbers. But having said that, we're still well above the June lows on our market in particular. And there is every chance that we are still somewhere near the bottom and we'll just go with it. We're sort of forced to a little bit to take the gamble and it is a gamble, but we don't want to be gambling, but we've ended up gambling now. Um, but we're gambling a little bit on that CPI number. If that CPI number on Thursday is terrible and the market's head down again, we'll just have to clean out, I think, um, uh, which is not something we want to be doing, being this short term. But we'll see what happens. But the strategy portfolio is set. I'm not too fussed. All those ETFs are not terribly volatile. There's not a lot of risk involved. Markets may move a, a couple of percent, but this is not devastating stuff that you might see in companies where stocks can fall 10, 20%. So pretty relaxed about it, but probably wishing now that we were making the decision after rather than before the CPI number. But there you go. As far as the individual stocks in the ideas portfolio, I haven't written it yet, but I'm just going to go through those on an individual basis and set some sort of price limits on how much uh, pain we'll take uh, before we decide to kill all those. Uh, We can't do anything about the jobs number now, so we just have to manage the trades from here. And that is probably about it, I think, Gigi. Marcus, do you think there's, um, you know, we've got oil uh, back in focus after the OPEC meeting. Do you think there's a chance that those lessening inflationary pressures that we've seen, even the Bank of Canada was talking about food inflation coming off a little bit, do you think we're going to see a little bit of a pickup again in inflation on the back of those higher oil prices, which could um, disrupt the story again? Yeah, good point, Henry. It takes a while because these inflation numbers being published do lag reality a bit. So they're sort of historic numbers, uh, but that will obviously feed into inflation the next inflation number. But the uh, one that's coming up should still be reflecting lower energy prices, I would think. And I don't know how long these energy prices are going to stay up, obviously. They need to stay up quite a quite a time to actually change a CPI number. But yeah, uh, yeah it's a risk, obviously. It's um, it's certainly from that OPEC meeting last week, it's pretty clear that they want oil at 100 bucks. They want to keep it there. Uh, I think the other thing, Henry, of course, is that I think there's a trade to be had out of peak aggression and the idea of a soft pivot. But what are we left with after that? You know, this is bad news is good news that the risk of recession is such that uh, they're going, they want to go soft or they want to get the US dollar down because they're wreaking havoc with uh, the US dollar globally. It may cause a trade for the Fed to back off, but the outlook is still one of slow growth, earnings numbers too high. We're in a downgrade cycle. Higher rates are here to stay. They're not going to come down. They're still going to go higher, but less fast. So consumer is still on edge. And all this stuff does not feed into a higher stock market. So whilst we might have had a bit of a play at the Fed going soft, 
truth of the matter is the outlook uh, or the backdrop to the market is not going to fundamentally improve until companies are doing better, feeling more comfortable, making more money. And that is still months away. Mm. Uh, so I don't think we want to get sort of, uh, I think you wrote it actually, Henry, no V-shaped recovery. We're not going to see yeah. the start of a new bull market. Yeah, I, 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 that's been my view for a long time. The, the W, the bouncy along the bottom with the volatility spikes every now and then up and down, I think is um, we're, we're, we're not going to get this resolved quickly. This could be a nasty winter in Europe, that's for sure. Cold snap, it wouldn't be fun. Still, interestingly, I was talking to my next door neighbour on the weekend, who is a big fan of Wim Hof, um, which is the, the man who professes to uh, have cold showers and cold bars and ice treatments, etc. Um, I suspect there's a lot of people in the UK that are going to be big fans of Wim Hof this, this winter with uh, with cold showers. <laughs> not by well, choice. They'll, and, they'll, and they'll live longer. Because and, well, they will, but they'll be just as miserable. <laughs> Some of these speakers at the conference I uh, was at, a couple of them were sort of distilling life lessons. One of them was a fantastic Maori guy with his tribal tattoo on his face, which he told us uh, all about his upbringing and how in order to get his tribal tattoo, he had to do all these extraordinary things. But it includes being the best father he can be, being the best husband he can be, not drinking any alcohol and not taking any drugs. And their culture is very aware that there's a sort of tail end to their culture of alcoholism and abuse and that sort of thing. So you have to be at the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, and this uh, chap did a harker and it was uh, very emotional and impressively powerful. And uh, he has written a book. He talked about my son. He said, uh, give this book to your son. It's a book about how to be a man. So I'll give that to Archie. Um, but incredible some of the things in there. But uh, the And another speaker was talking about, she was hilarious. She sort of summed up lots of uh, self-help books in one talk in a funny, funny way. And I found myself taking notes. When I looked at the notes, they were just things like water. <laughs> but it was stuff like, you know, you can't, you can't drink and have energy. Yeah. You can't have joy without energy and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And that you need to drink water. And it was, it was basic stuff and nutrition and uh, how, how nutrients work and how most of the world is, is now that in order for food companies to make money, they have gone into chemically designed processed food in other yeah. words and how we are on a diet of processed food and our bodies weren't designed to take that and how you have to consciously uh, look for nutrition amidst the things that appear to give you nutrition yeah. anyway um there's also so i've got to drink more water uh, yeah. drink less alcohol um and uh, tea? no it's processed <laughs> uh, anyway you have to find the white cheese so we, we better move on with yes we move on to the question of the day but these are good life lessons to learn and you can learn them at any age. But let's move on to our question of the day. If you could live in any book, movie or TV show, what would it be? Marcus, would you like to start us off? Uh, well, Chuchi, I don't even have to think for an instant. Yeah, we know. That. Uh, I would be in Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, not Top Gun, yeah. uh, because I want to fly that P-51. Um, I've already got the motorcycle. That GPZ 900 he rides is a bit of a cult bike, but they're a better bike. Uh, so I'd have a better bike. Uh, and I'd definitely have his girlfriend, I think, and that poor. <laughs> Porsche. Henry yes. would have that Porsche in a blink. And they did some sailing and I'm a sailor. So yeah. sorry, there's just no uh, no alternative. And I've been Top Gun. That's a fantastic choice. And you would have a very, very cool jacket too. Um, I mean, <laughs> you can one. buy the jacket. 
I would go with, uh, you know, I'm an elder millennial and I would go with Harry Potter <laughs> because I'm a bit of a geek like that. You would want to be in Harry Potter. I would love to be a wizard. Oh, <laughs> you are, Chichi. You are a wizard. Thank you. Is my beard giving me away? Or... <laughs> and uh, Damien? Uh, I think I'd go Rush, the movie, the one with James Hunt and Nikki Bella. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good choice, Damien. I like you. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Oh, you've stolen Henry's. Uh, <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't even come close. Henry would love <laughs> That one. Um, I, I met James Hunt in a um, in a in a cinema in London once. Very nice bloke. And hey, what by yourself? What movie or TV show or book would you like to live in? Chichi, it's so easy. Deliverance. Star. <laughs> Star no, no. Star Wars. Oh, stop! Yeah. Oh no, no. Oh, I'm changing my now. Okay, yeah. Star Wars. Star is Wars. How cool would it be to be flipping around the galaxy in in some sort of spacecraft, or even uh, Buck Rogers in the 21st century, yeah. or uh, Battlestar Galactic? One of those. What a, what a great world. And um, yeah, I think that would be a um, fantastic place to be in. I'm not sure you'd fit into C-3PO's outfit, though, Henry. <laughs> no, I might be more R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks, everyone. Let's bring this to a close and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, Henry. Bye. Thanks, Henry.